Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on this episode of Turning to Him. My name is Zach Batty and I'm here with Matt Hale, uh, who is gracious enough to share his story with us. Matt, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Thanks Good. for having me. Well, thanks again for coming on. Um, uh, Matt and I were just talking about his t-shirt. He spent some time in Park City, that's where I grew up, so yeah. small world. It's always a small <laughs> world. Yes, I always say a small world, even smaller church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, Matt, tell us, uh, I mean, speaking of growing up, tell us where you grew up and kind of what what's your background? What's your story? Okay, um, so I grew up most of my childhood in Arizona. Um, I was born in Idaho, and then my parents separated when I was about two years old. Uh, we moved to Park City and lived with my grandparents for a couple of years, um, and then came on down here to Arizona. Um, then I uh, served a mission in Arkansas, which was a lot of fun, and I went to BYU-Idaho, got a degree, uh, went back to Arkansas, um, worked for a couple of years uh, with, with some of the members that I had known on a mission, and then ended up getting a job in Tucson a few months ago, actually. Uh, and moved back to Arizona. So uh, the grandmas were very happy that we we came back to the to the promised land. Yeah, um, and we're, we're glad to be back here in the desert. Well, congrats on the new job. Thanks. That's got to be a bit of a culture shock from Arkansas to Arizona. Yeah. Well, uh, people people speak a lot slower in Arkansas. Um, we're not used to having so many options when we go out to eat. <laughs> so. <laughs> But it's been good. You know, my wife is from Arizona as well. So, you know, this really feels like home for us. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, your parents separated at two. Mm -hmm. uh, I assume you don't remember that, but... Um, I, I do, swear. actually. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about um, that. So, I, for some reason, I have really early memories. I remember things from when I was about a year and a half. Wow. Um, and I remember what life was like before they separated. And I remember moving to Utah. Um, it was pretty hard because I didn't really know what was going on. Um, but it, um, I think it had more of an impact on me, you know, later on down the road, just not having a father in the, in the home. Uh, presented a lot of challenges, I guess. Um, and and things that I'm still dealing with today. But luckily, I had a lot of really good home teachers, um, young men's leaders, bishops. And I, I always say that the Lord provided everything that I needed, um, even though I didn't have a dad at home. Um, I didn't really ever, you know, want for anything as far as a father figure. Um, I always had what I needed. So. Man, there's a whole lot we could talk about there. That seems. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it like growing up in Park City? I mean, my parents divorced when I was a junior in high school. So, okay. yeah, I was a little bit older. Um, but 
what was it like um, in your home? I mean, you said you had fantastic home teachers back when we had home teachers, fantastic young men's presidents when we had young men's presidents. Um, How did that go for you? Well, um, my mom is great. And, um, you know, I I have two kids of my own now. And, um, like, I I feel like I'm barely scraping by with the fantastic life that I have. And I can't imagine doing it on my own. Um, So I really don't know how my mom did it. But um, she she has a really strong testimony. One of my first memories was... um, sitting with her and reading the children's book of Mormon when I was about two. And uh, I I just remember like this, this really kind of warm and happy feeling um, when, when we were doing that. And it wasn't until I was like on my mission that I realized that that was the spirit. And so when I feel the spirit, it feels like love to me. And it, specifically, it feels like my mother's love. Um, because that was the first time I recognized it, it was sweet love with my mother. Um, and that's that's had a really big impact on me. Um, and I've, I have lots of really good, um, you know, like I said, young men's leaders and, and priesthood examples in the church. Um, the, the home teachers that we had, they like really took a, a sincere interest in my life when I was growing up and, and really cared about me. And um, that just, you know, had a really big impact on me, I think, the whole thing. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, when we were talking before, you mentioned that you went, you had a tough spot in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So despite, you know, everything my mom did for me, um, I... I went through a period of really serious depression when I was a sophomore. Um, I was honestly pretty suicidal as well. Um, I thought about taking my own life uh, very frequently. Um, and it was something that I, I dwelled on a lot. Um, and uh, around that time, um, my my family, uh, my, my mom, myself, and my aunt, my uncle, we went on a trip to Nauvoo, Illinois. Um, and I was not super excited about this trip because I was, you know, a moody teenager and I just wanted to be at home texting my friends and watching YouTube, you know, I didn't really <laughs> care that much. Um, You're very I, unique in that aspect, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but I, there was, there was one day when we went and saw the, the Nauvoo pageant and the pageant is set up in like this field, um, kind of close to the, the Nauvoo temple. And afterwards, you know, my family was still sitting in the, in the audience area in the chairs and, you know, my mom and my aunt and uncle were talking and I was, I was, and I was sitting there and I was thinking. And I remember thinking, what am I doing with myself and my life? And, and what, what kind of person do I want to become? You know, because I, I was coming up on an age where I was going to be getting ready to serve a mission and, and make a lot of important decisions in my life. And um, so I, I was just sitting there thinking, and 
the Mississippi River is behind me, the, the sun is setting and, and lighting up the pool, and it's all orange and red, and it's really pretty. And as I'm sitting there thinking, um, this girl comes walking down the aisle uh, dressed in pioneer clothes, and she sees me, and then she kind of smiles to herself. And then she starts walking over to me, I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> she's going to come talk to me. And so I had been to the, the Mesa Temple Lights and Easter pageant thing for years. And usually when somebody makes eye contact with you and marches over to you, they're, they're a missionary and they're going to come kind of get a referral out of you. And so I was getting ready to tell this girl, look, I live like 2,000 miles from here. I don't know anybody in Illinois. You know, I, none of, all my friends are members of the church. I don't know anybody that missionaries can teach. You know, so I'm kind of preparing for this conversation. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she comes and sits down next to me, and um, I will always remember her smile. Um, and she just started talking to me, and you know, asked me where I was from. And it was really bizarre because I could just tell in her eyes that even though she didn't know me, and she had just met me, she sincerely cared about me. Um, and that was kind of a, a bizarre feeling for me because of, of this depression that I was going through. And I had convinced myself that I was pretty much worthless and I was a terrible human being. And if anybody knew who I really was, they wouldn't want anything to do with me. Um, but she just cut right through that. Um, and it, for, for the couple minutes we were talking, I just felt so much peace. And um, she had it in her arms. She had a stack of, you know, envelopes. And um, before she left, she said, I want to give you something. And she she pulled out one of the envelopes and handed it to me. Um, and I opened it. And I'm going to do a little screen share here. Um, can you see that? Yep, we got it. Okay. And this was what was in the envelope. And I kind of groaned. Um, it's like, great. Jesus picture. That's <laughs> exactly what I wanted. Thank you. <laughs> um, but at the time, I really did not like this picture uh, because Jesus, like, he looks really serious and intimidating, you know, I thought. And um, so I, I wasn't super excited, but for some reason, something, something inside of me, you know, just like a thought or a feeling, just said, take this picture home and put it on your wall. Um, so I, I, I thought to myself, that actually sounds like a pretty good idea. Um, so we got back to the hotel that night and I, I put this picture in the envelope and put it in my suitcase really carefully, brought it all the way back home to Arizona. Um, and I hung it on my wall. I hung it in the corner behind my closet door. Uh, so I'd have to see it as little as possible, but I hung it on my wall. Um, and, um, you know, some mission accomplished, I guess. But something kind of interesting happened in the weeks that followed. Um, I found myself looking at this picture a lot. Um, and I started asking myself, who, who is Jesus? Like, what's the big deal? I didn't, I didn't really understand. You know, I got the, like, Heavenly Father's school. He created us, you know, for his children. But, like, why, what's, what's the big deal with Jesus? I didn't know he did it. And so I would see this picture every day and I would ask myself these questions and 
um, as I got into my sophomore year, my life just kept getting harder and harder. My depression kept getting worse and worse. And um, I I started asking different questions. I started asking, what do, you, what do I need to be doing? Um, what do you expect from me? Um, why aren't you helping me? Things like that. And Matt, um, let me interrupt yeah. you real quick. At this point, are you going to seminary? And what's your activity level in the church at this point? Yeah, so I, I'm fully active, um, mostly because that's just what my family did. You know, I never really considered stop going to church, but um, I didn't necessarily like going to church. Um, I was also in seminary. Um, and interestingly enough, great question, because um, around this time, I... Uh, had my first devotional in seminary and um you know i didn't i i didn't know the scriptures very well um i didn't know where to go to find the scripture you know i, I knew like first me five through seven you know i'll go and do but everybody does that for devotional so i wanted to be a little bit more original so anyway i'm, I'm sitting there on my bed the night before i did this devotional and um and I'm just kind of flipping through the scriptures, right? And I'm like praying. And my prayer was something like, if you want this devotional to be good, you better help me find something. <laughs> um, and and so I, I'm sitting there with my quad and I'm just like flipping, you know, and I keep landing on like random Old Testament scriptures that don't make any sense. But eventually, uh, through luck or faith, I don't really know, I, I landed on John 10. And I start reading. And it said, then, then said Jesus unto them again, Verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And so I read this verse and I looked over at this picture and I just felt this deep longing in my heart um, for this pasture. I just, I felt like I was a sheep lost in the desert and I was dying of thirst. And I said, this pasture sounds like exactly what I need. And so the now the pieces started falling into place of why this Jesus character means so much to so many people. Um, a few months later, I was walking home from school. Um, I used to, you know, during the the lowest part of my depression, I remember one one day I was walking home from school and I was walking on the grass. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm hurting this grass by walking on it, and I'm I'm worthless. I, I shouldn't be walking on this grass. And so I started walking on the pavement instead. Um, and then I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm I'm causing cracks in the pavement. You know, the stress of my weight is is gonna make it, you know, break faster. And so I, I just, you know, was so down on myself. But one day I was walking home from school. And I was thinking about all of this, you know, I was thinking about my picture and, and these verses. And the thought occurred to me um, 
it was more like a question that came into my mind. And, and the question was, do you think your mother loves you no matter what? And and I said, yeah, I, I really do. I really think that my mom would love me no matter what I did or where I went and what I came, she would love me. And then um, immediately after that, another thought came to my mind and it said, your mother is very imperfect. Um, how much more do you think your savior loves you? Um, and he is perfect. And then it was like, it was like a light came on in my mind. And I, um, I don't know, I just, I got it. And um, I really started taking the scriptures more seriously, seminary, my testimony. Um, and over the years that followed, you know, my faith in Jesus Christ will be real. Um, I still struggle with depression. Uh, but, you know, so it's not like it cured me or anything, but it was definitely a pivotal point in my life. Um, you know, where, where, I, where I started asking these questions and started finding answers. Wow. And so you're a, you're a sophomore in high school at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to stop sharing so that we can see your face. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Forgot that was still up. You're a sophomore in high school. Now, before this, had you been talking to anybody about your depression? Um, yeah, I talked to my mom about it, but she didn't really know how to handle it. Um, yeah, you know, she, she did the best she could. Um, she got me to see a counselor, but um, he didn't. He wasn't an LDS counselor, so he didn't really get what I was going through. I don't think. Um, but I had, you know, I had a, I had some good friends, and I had a good seminary teacher that I really talked to. Um, but other than that, you know, not, not as much. What would you? What would you tell somebody who's listening right now that is wrestling with depression? Oh. I would say uh, it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist too. Um, and I really, I really think that you know mental health issues are are just as real as breaking a bone, um, you know, or, or pulling a muscle. Uh, the difference is, you know, you you can't, you know, X-ray your brain and. and see the depression on the screen um but it's just as real and um so you, you gotta you know take care of your mental health and um a lot of times mental mental health problems really get in the way of feeling the spirit um and things like that and it's it's really it's really hard um but there's always hope um, yeah you know, I really, I really think that we all have seasons in our lives. You know, there, there have been times since then when my depression has been really, really bad, um, even worse than when I was in high school. And there have been times where it was kind of a distant memory. Um, so just, you know, hang in there and, and have hope that, you know, you'll, you'll get through it. Um, and for me, like, it wasn't a matter of like praying my depression away. But it was my faith in Christ really gave me the strength to to work on myself and, and to heal. Because uh, at that time when I was in high school, my major the major source of my depression was I thought that I was worthless. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and my faith in Christ helped me change the way that I was thinking. Uh, Preach my gospel is a really great line. It says repentance is primarily about forming a fresh view of God, ourselves, and the world. Um, you know, and, and repentance is really just turning to Christ, right? Uh, yeah. It's not always fixing mistakes and saying you're sorry. Most of it is just turning to Christ and forming a fresh view of who you are. That's fundamental of repentance is. I love the story that you told about you know the spirit whispering to you about your mom does your mom love you and does the savior love you because as as i talk to people who struggle with depression and i'm not a therapist by any stretch of the imagination um that that's a common thread though of look if you knew who i really was then you'd know how worthless i am mm-hmm. you, you only see the good parts of me you know because i'm sure that you had friends saying, Hey, you're a great guy. You're, you're fantastic. I'm sure your mom is saying you're a great guy. We love you. You're fantastic. And neighbors and home teachers and all these people in our lives that are booing us up. And again, that that's common that people will say to me, yeah, but you don't know who I am. You don't know the real me. Yeah. And that's true for everybody, but the savior, the savior knows who you are. Yeah. And he loves you. Absolutely. Yeah. Depression is, it's really kind of like, it's like a stream and and every every good thing the depression just kind of stops it in its tracks and and it can sometimes like it gets filtered through the screen and it becomes a painful thing you know like to, when you're depressed somebody can say i love you and the, the depression can turn that into you know like you're saying well if they really knew me they wouldn't love me and it yeah. makes you feel worse than than before they said it um, so it's, it's really a nefarious thing. Um, but yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, I also think it's really important for people to understand that, like, I, I love, so verse 11 in John 10, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Um, like that really, that really hit me because I don't think I'd ever really considered what it meant that Jesus like died, died for me, you know, like I, I knew, I knew about the Easter story and all that stuff. And, you know, he rose on the third day, but like he, he did die. He was dead. Um, and, and he didn't, he didn't just do it. At, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a mistake. It was intentional. Um, and you know, in conference a, a few sessions ago, one of one of the uh, speakers said, basically, he would have done it just for you if you were the only person who needed it. He would have gone through everything in Gethsemane and everything on Golgotha just for you. Um, so there's there's nothing we can do in this life that's going to to make him like us any less. Um, I I you know I I think a lot about Peter who denied him, Judas who betrayed him, uh, Pilate who condemned him, the soldier who nailed him to the cross. And I don't I don't believe for even a second that his love for any of those people wavered at all. Um, and then there have been a lot of times in my life where I felt like I was the soldier putting the nails in his hands and feet. Um, but I know that he he doesn't love me any less. You know he had to die for me. Um, he loved me so much that that he 
who is willing to do that. Um, and I think when when somebody really understands that and believes that, that, that can change changes. And that's a powerful testimony. That's a really, I, I appreciate you sharing that, Matt. Yeah.